Welcome to the Next Level Occupational Therapy Podcast. My name is Kara Welke, occupational therapist and creator of the Next Level Occupational Therapy platform. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, inspire, and motivate occupational therapy professionals to level up in their career, whether that be to start a new business, add a side job, and or to figure out how to be more satisfied in their current career. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, I would like to welcome Erin Shaw to the Next Level Occupational Therapy Podcast. Erin is an occupational therapist, certified hand therapist, and certified strength and conditioning specialist with 24 years of clinical experience. He is a recognized expert in shoulder, arm, and hand rehabilitation with a passion for hands-on manual therapy, custom orthosis fabrication, and functional exercise performance. Erin is an author and speaker with a passion for topics including functional biomechanics and strategies to bridge the gap between rehabilitation and personal training. In April of 2015, Erin founded MoveMend, Seattle's only neighborhood-based clinic specializing in rehabilitation of the shoulder, arm, and hand, and post-injury personal training. Since opening the practice, It is growing to include physical therapy and massage, expanding the functional approach to rehabilitation to include the entire body. So welcome, Erin. Thank you for having me. So I would just love for you to start with telling us about your business, Move Mend. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So I'm almost five years old now, uh, (laughs) from a business standpoint. So almost five years, probably about six years ago, I was working in a major trauma center. And again, I'm a OT, CHT, doing what most of us do in my little, in my specialty niche. And so seeing a lot of trauma cases throughout my entire career, I've always been the one that's been really interested in making splints. And I like the complicated cases and perhaps some of the gory cases when it's the, in the trauma setting. And I was really happy with, with where I was but I felt like I couldn't go any further in my career and I, uh, you know, sort of, you know, encapsulated in this major institution and I thought that I could do something better. And so being the kind of person that thinks big, I was actually kind of at a crossroads where either I was going to leave medicine altogether as my, but through my credentials, I'm also a strength coach. At the time I was an elite level cyclist as well. And so I was kind of like thinking about going through the, fitness realm exclusively. I was getting a little tired of begging for therapy visits for people who needed therapy. So I was like, well, this is, I just, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And so while at that crossroads, before I quit my career, which I had established, my wife suggested that I really think about it. (laughs) And so I did and actually had a deep conversation with one of my mentors who was also on your show, actually, Joanne Keller. Okay, awesome. He was a friend of mine. And I had a little conversation in her backyard and I basically said, I'm either done or I'm going to do it my way. And again, through in the spirit of mentorship, as we all stand here on the shoulders of other people, I got more reinforcement. I said, okay, I'm going to do something my way. And so I started off with wanting to be a practice that offered not only the rehabilitation, but also what do you do after rehab? And so, so many of my clients were saying, okay, I'm discharged. 
you know, my broken wrist is healed. My motion's pretty good, but I want to go back to playing tennis and I want to go back to doing push-ups and lifting weights and riding bikes. And, you know, everybody in Seattle is an athlete in some sort of way. That, that's not the medical model. You know, you have to kind of go on to somebody else. And I had a really hard time knowing who do I refer to somebody who's been mostly cleared, but they still have some residual discomfort. You know, it's not an absolute you're healed and then you're perfect. And so I was thinking there has to be a way to bridge that gap. And I don't know who to refer out to. So I thought, well, I'm going to make it myself. It doesn't exist. So my first hire, uh, which actually was before my clinic was even built out. So I rented a space, uh, which sort of fell into my lap and it was like a half a block from my house. It was like, couldn't have been any better place to start. And I had this vision. I was like, it's going to be myself. I'd hire some sort of personal trainer and then there'd be handoff of services back and forth. And the right person at the right time was an exercise physiologist actually lived in the building that I was renting space from. So it's a, awesome. it was a ground level retail that are con- uh, condos upstairs. And literally my first interview was the two of us sitting on boxes in this, what used to be a coffee shop that was gutted out. I mean, it was an absolute mess. And all I could say was just close your eyes and imagine what this is going to look like. And I explained kind of where, where I'm at today. I explained this vision of, you know, multiple services, very deep relationship building with our clients. I didn't want to use rehab aids or rehab techs or, nothing but hands-on, high-level care, communication between services. And thankfully, this first employee was game. Looking back, I don't know if she should have maybe said, are you crazy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even, you know, look around. This doesn't look like anything like it. So we started. And like all small businesses, it was arguably biting off more than I could chew, which is kind of the way I tend to jump in both feet and then figure out what else how to develop and grow through the process. Yeah, day one opened up April 28th, 2015 on my birthday. So I knew I wouldn't forget the date. Awesome. <laughs> and had one client that day and that's where it all began. And so that was, we stayed in the space. It was about, probably had eight or 900 square feet of possible space. I got a little bit busier, very slowly, a little bit busier, seeing a few training clients I could hand off to my trainer, exercise physiologists hired a front desk person who literally fell into my lap, which led to another front desk person. Both of them actually went on to OT school. So they both graduated OT program. Awesome. And then I recognized that I needed to have PT. And so, you know, I would had a good name recognition and became a fixture in the community for upper extremity stuff. But then also people would say, you know, my back's kind of sore. What do you recommend? Like, you don't want me treating your back. You don't want me treating your knees or anything else. So I would refer to other PT clinics in the neighborhood. And so it was great because I never felt like I had competition and I still don't feel like I ever have competition. I feel like, you know, I do what I do and I refer out things that we don't provide. So I never had a problem. And in fact, for the first several, there were several months where my number one referral source would be another physical therapy clinic. And so I like playing nice with the community and, but I am a business person and an entrepreneur. So after sending out a lot of business, I said, you know what, maybe I need to kind of, that's the next step is to bring somebody else, a PT into the fold. So I did. And as time went on in this last space, we had two personal trainers, uh, myself and a part-time OTCHT 
two physical therapists, of course, a front desk person, admin, and what used to be a space that absolutely terrified me with how big it was. It was stepping over people and literally get to the point where I would want to do some documentation when I was done. And there was not a place for me to be. I couldn't put my computer on any surface. We could never treat more than three people at a time. And it was, you know, it was fun. It was a sense of like, oh, this is kind of cramped, but it's real neighborhoody. And everybody knew that we were just, we were as genuine as could be because mm-hmm. you know, like, what you see is what you get. We're here to take care of you. Don't step on the guy doing a plank. <laughs> <laughs> and that was good, but obviously it was finite, you know, and something thankfully had to change. And so this year in June, actually July 1st was our opening day in a new space. So over the course of 24 hours, 48 hours, closed one clinic, moved everything, opened up, and now we're in 2,800 square feet. Oh, wow. Five private treatment rooms, a big gym in the middle, which is literally the size of my, my old practice could actually <laughs> just fit in there. The proper waiting room, it's, it's like a grown-up physical therapy practice all of a sudden. <laughs> awesome. And so now we're, again, looking back, not even five years ago, where it was in the first month, I probably saw you know, 15 clients, the second month, maybe 30 clients. And you know, now we're seeing 650, 700 clients a day, a week, excuse me, a month, <laughs> 700 a month. So that's between OT, PT, personal training with a specialty in post-injury personal training and massage. So we got a massage therapist in house now. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's been a wild ride, continues to be a wild ride mostly because I'm driving it and I enjoy, you know, every time there's a milestone, I try to pause and say, this is great. I have 10 people this week. I want 11 or great. This is a full month. I want a little bit more. I want, you know, systems that really help people hand off. I want, yeah. So I would say my my challenge is probably, I I don't pause long enough sometimes to say, Hey, this is pretty good. This is a good (laughs) That's good, though. That's yeah. what you should. Y'all should be dreaming bigger. I dream big, and I, I think it's always just resigning myself to, to realize, like, I'm doing what I, I'm doing. Yeah. And so today is good, but I'm never going to be 100% satisfied because it can always get better. So that's the fun drive. Like, pat on the back, great. What's next? Let's go. Yep. And I think that's the attitude you need to be an entrepreneur. So for sure, dream bigger, and you're going to fail at some point, and you just got to oh. keep pushing past it. So. I could write chapters on failure, <laughs> but you have to. I mean, I think, yep. I mean, I know this cliche, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough, but right. I, I think that the most challenging part of is of becoming an entrepreneur is literally the becoming part and it's a growing process. And I don't think it matters if you've had an MBA or a doctorate degree or 20 degrees or 20 years experience it's hard and you will make mistakes and there's consequences for those. And mm-hmm. so it's a school of hard knocks. All along yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think your whole setup is pretty awesome. Can you walk us through, like if a client comes to you, like, do you see pulse shoulder injuries or what's your most common injury you like to treat your favorite injury? I should say. My favorite injury right now is actually like working with rock climbers right now, just as a, my favorite clients are the athletic bunch that are middle-aged, possibly because I'm middle-aged, <laughs> and want to be athletic, want to continue to be active, who have kind of the wear and tear of, of life. You know, So it's 
tendinopathies, tennis elbow, wrist tendinitis. I see a lot of pulley injuries, hand injuries, even just some, you know, I get pain in my elbow, but it's kind of in my shoulder and I push through it. And then, you know, my wrist kind of clicks. And so they, and a little bit less at this point about, you know, I fell down and I did have a distal radius fracture, which is pretty clear cut. Right. And I did that for years and that's great. But since the setting that I'm in now that I've created is really more about the continuum of care. And so that is going to be the person who comes in where I can, you know, maybe or maybe not need a splint, definitely need some education on some dosing of their exercises. A lot of my clients are a little overzealous and they're at that point where aches and pains used to kind of just go away. And now when they're in their forties and fifties, it, they don't just go away. <laughs> and in fact, they become more problematic. And so I love working with them because I can wear my multiple hats of my upper extremity experience, but also as a strength coach and to have personal training staff in the clinic can really kind of make sure that they are in the safest place possible to return to what, whatever the sport there is. And so it's fun to watch people throughout the continuum. And now we have people that I, they first came into the practice three years ago. And I can't even remember why they first came in as a patient, but now they're a training client. And it really speaks to us being able to continue to take care of these people. And some of these clients even have gym memberships elsewhere. You know, they, they have memberships that, I mean, we're not a gym to be clear. Like we're not a 24 hour fitness, but if you want to increase performance and if you want to get stronger in whatever that means to you, there's no place safer than movement. I mean, there's right. really, we have, I mean, some of the most exciting things we've done is sit down with, you know, you've got an OT certified hand therapist, physical therapist, our personal trainers, you know, exercise physiologists, degree in exercise biology. And we all sit around and say, okay, we're going to send somebody to personal training who has low back pain. How do we modify a plank? Well, so we all talk about it. Okay. This is, this is real. This is what ha- people happen. Like I can't do a plank because my back hurts. Well, if the PT is transitioning somebody to training because people still want to do some sort of exercise, how can you modify a plank? Well, the PTs are down on the floor with balls and props and high planks and low planks. And so we brainstorm this all the way through until we can kind of come to an agreement and say, okay, here's how we're going to modify a plank for people with back pain. Now the trainers have kind of a plan A and a plan B. If they can't do a plan B, then we say, okay, guess what? You're not doing a plank. You're going to you know, do something else. But we have 175 exercises right now that have been vetted by through some very challenging conversations. <laughs> uh, there's some pretty strong opinions on the do's and don'ts and what's safe. But it's great because it really empowers our training staff to help with that bridge from you know transitioning somebody from being injured to want to be healthier. Right. Um, and we have you know, our communication system where if something doesn't feel well or somebody has a flare-up, we use an internal communication so the PT may be notified or the OT may be notified. Somebody tried to do a push up and their elbow started to hurt. So I stopped. Well, great. At least I get to know exactly what was happening versus, you know, I went to orange theory, had a great workout and my arm hurt. And it's impossible to dice for me to dissect out. Like what was it of that workout that did it? You know, it did right. just great things. But for us, it's like, you're always under a microscope. If something hurts. I don't want you to hurt, but we're going to know exactly what it is. And we'll be able to kind of like process it together, how to fix it. So. That's awesome. So I assume you take insurance. You're not cash-based, right? 
So how do you guys manage the clients with being on insurance for therapy, moving on to personal training or wellness, or how do you manage all that? Well, it's a conversation. So when people come in, I mean, some people come in for you know several different avenues for us at this point. So some people do come in just for training, but most people, they walk in and they kind of you know look around like, oh, this is, you know, it's not just sitting across from, you know, a therapist at a desk. And it's explaining the model to them. You know, I mean, we have obviously our website and we have literature out and around. So a lot of people have done their homework. So most people right. have, Dr. Google has given them some insight as to what we're doing. <laughs> but it's explained to them just that, you know, here's your plan of care. I think that you're going to increase the low tolerance for your elbow. I mean, in Seattle, I actually treat people with tennis elbow who are actually tennis players, which is not always common, but <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah. So I say, okay, I'm going to help you increase the load tolerance for your elbow. I've also noticed that your shoulder's a little bit weak. So we need to think about how you're going to play over the next couple of weeks. And they look over and I say, yeah. And if you want to work on your leg speed while you're here, and eventually you're going to work on your core strength and your rotator cuff strength, all of these things that led to your elbow discomfort, you know, to explain the mechanics, we can do all that right here. For a lot of people, oh, wow. So we can, this is right here. Yeah. So you may see me exclusively me for a week or two. And then you can go to work with our, one of our personal trainers. And the first thing that the personal trainer does is a functional movement screen, which is just a way to kind of screen how people move. And so they'll have that information plus the information from me. And so I'm, you know, I'm saying this to my client. I say, you know, that's going to be more, it's probably going to be more fundamental fitness and health information that you've ever had in your life just from this interaction. Cause you're going to have people communicating with each other. And of course, you know, you're all three of us, the OT trainer, client, talking this through, and it sells itself at that point, you know? And so it's, we offer a discounted rate for people who are in therapy, who want to take care, take, you know, have one-to-one training sessions. And then once they graduate from therapy, then they can stick around and buy, you know, five packs, 10 packs, 20 packs. We also actually have a membership model, which is really kind of where I want the practice to continue to develop and have people come in who want something that's really comprehensive and not wait till like, don't wait till you get injured. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're musculoskeletal experts, even if you don't have a broken bone. And so we have memberships that are a couple of different tiers where basically people can come in for one or two one-on-one training sessions per week, include one small group class per week. And our classes max out at three people. So it's just, kind of as close as you can get to a, it's barely a group class, I guess. And then once a quarter, the members earn either a free OT or PT session or a free massage. So they get this virtual token. And so we've had somebody that was a member. And so they've come in, they're doing training sessions with us for three, four months. They're taking a run down the street, roll their ankle. They call up, oh, I hurt, hurt my ankle. What do I do? Well, you come in for a PT evaluation I don't care what insurance you have. Keep your wallet in your in your bag. Like you're a member, we're invested in your health. We've already been training you. We already know. We know how you move. We know where your imbalances are, and we're going to take care of you. And so that's kind of built into the whole service. Yeah, that's awesome. Over all sorts of different angles. Yeah, I'm just taking notes as we go, just because it. I mean, it's such a great concept and how it should be. I know. My coach always says, why does OT and PT discharge people? We should never even discharge people. They should be constantly with us. 
throughout the process. And you guys have this great system in place to make that happen. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really just a matter of, I mean, I agree completely. Like everybody needs OT and PT all the time. And it's just a matter of like how, like the, how much intensity that is. Right. So sometimes it's, yeah, you have to sit across from me because I have to make you a splint. And that's, again, it's most intense, but you're more than an elbow. You're more than a wrist. You know, I'm, I have a certification that I had to be super nerdy about the extension mechanism of the finger to pass the test. But ultimately, you're attached to an arm to a human being, and you have goals and families and roles that you partake in. And that's what I'm taking care of. And if it has to be something in a, in a lot of hospital settings and clinic settings, in the medical model, want to squeeze that down to like, get the range of motion full, and then you're gone. You know, mm-hmm. the swelling goes down, then they're good. It's like, well, there's more to this person. They still can't go play tennis. They still can't pick up their kid more than a few times, or they can't go back to yoga. It's like, well, insurance doesn't care if you can do a down dog. Is you, gonna, you know, can you do your ADLs? Can you basically cook and clean and do, you know, basic stuff? Mm-hmm. But if you're a person who identifies as, I go to yoga twice a week. Don't tell me that I can't do that. And so right. I, I want to create a place that, I tell people, until you come here and you go through a full yoga session, if that's your thing, without pain, then and only then can we talk about you graduating. Right. And do you so, guys do yoga at your place? No. We, no, no, we don't offer yoga specifically, but I mean, people doing down dogs. I mean, I, yep. I see, I'm not a yoga person, but apparently I'm one of the few that aren't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same. It's from an, up, from an upper extremity specialist. I mean, oh, it's yeah. weight bearing and pivoting on mm-hmm. arms and stuff. So it's, it's pretty demanding. So. What do you do with your classes, your three people minimum or maximum classes, your group? Uh, it is nothing like CrossFit. It would be, we have course, courses, or excuse me, classes that are like find your core, balance classes. And I can assure you from being on the receiving end of them, it's not as simple as like standing on one leg. And so it's, you know, moving medicine balls around. There's upper body focus classes and lower body focus classes. Uh, we have some agility classes, so, so leg speed stuff. We see a lot of pickleballers. That's like the latest and greatest thing. Right, so yep. Pickleball, tennis. And a lot of these clients are, again, they're 60s. I mean, some are 20s. But a lot of them are, you know, we're, as we get middle age and these, you know, my ankle flares up more than it used to and I can't move my feet like I used to. And so, again, some of their entry may be the aches and pains that they found us. But once they realize like we can fix the aches and pains, but we can also really give you some resiliency that you haven't probably had in years. You've been you know, gradually losing that. Yeah. There's no safer place to do it. And in a measured sort of way, you know, in a safe sort of way. So awesome. Do you have I've talked to a lot of therapists who have a tough time with uh, when do I stop insurance billing to move to like a private pay type situation? They really struggle with that. Yeah. How, how do you guys feel with that? Well, I think it's an open conversation. And I feel like if I can't, whether or not you have the coverage, so some people come in and they feel like they have like the, the Cadillac insurance plan and I have 60 visits or whatever it is. And to me, that's irrelevant. And it's irrelevant from both sides. You know, if you have no insurance and you're paying for therapy for cash, which we have some people to do that, or you have unlimited, I'm going to provide a treatment plan for you that is like independent of that. And so Again, if there's no hard line, if you're if the last little bit of your injury is preventing you from doing 
you know, really ballistic, hard, really challenging exercises, you need to kind of go see a trainer specifically for that. And then maybe I can step back and say, go ahead and do the training. Can you tolerate that? But I don't need to see you once a week for that either. So a lot of my, the phase out is, you know, it's a slow breakup. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, once you come back in three weeks, once you come back in four weeks, you know, go back to your class or have, you know, have a couple one-on-one sessions here. And when you come back, if something's, if there's an ache or pain in there, I need like specific details, what position, how much weight, how much 30 minutes into the class or, and of course at home, if somebody's, they feel fine normally, but it really, their elbow gets sore after they cleaned out the garage for two hours. I'm like, well, okay. That's kind of a unique situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if hang on to you for another extended period of time for therapy. And that's where education comes in. So it's, you know, exercise dosing and symptom diaries and things like that that I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. The other thing I picked up on you talking about is deep relationships, high level of care. So I was actually talking to um, an occupational therapist this morning on relationships and how she was telling me how some training she's gone to is like, you can't have a relationship with your client. I mean, it's clear and cut. You don't you just keep it very minimalistic. And she's like, I treat my clients like family when they walk through the door and are, it's really important, the relationship thing with it. So tell me about like what you kind of, about that deep relationship that you talked about. Yeah. I, well, I think when I first started my the practice and just kind of rewind again a little bit, when I was you know teetering on leaving therapy altogether and I was really trying to figure out like, you know, what is it that I really want to create? And it was actually trying to reflect on my experiences that I've had before when I was a competitive athlete and I was on this bike race team. I had a coach and I had a support system on the team. My wife was my support system. My friends were my support system. And that emotional feeling of like through whatever highs and lows. And I know this is, you know, racing a bike isn't like a metaphor for life in any sort of way, but there is, you know, there's highs and lows and mm-hmm. you know, effort and it's time and it's demanding and all these things. But I always felt like I had like this really intimate relationship of people that supported me. And the, the, the business name that I first came up with was the athlete experience. And so, and for me, that was, that's what I get to experience. And if you look at a pro athlete that does things on the field, you may not, I mean, we do, but if you really think about it, it's like they have an army of support system behind them. And so they can be their best in whatever they choose to do. And so it's important to me when people come in to the movement that, I mean, every single person that walks in every time it's, you want a cup of coffee, you want a cup of tea. Of course, it takes one or two sessions before we know that you like one cream and only half the sugar on your coffee. And I am an advocate of building long-term relationships with people. And it goes beyond you know, it's not a matter of, I want to see you, I want to treat you forever, but I want you to realize that I'm invested in you. And that's the person that's sitting across from me and each one of my staff, but also collectively. And so we are here for you. And if I don't know the answer, I'm going to walk across clinic to find it. And if neither one of us know the answer, we're going to pick up the phone and send you to somebody. So, you know, we don't do pelvic floor therapy, but I make calls out to people and like, I'll find somebody for you. Like, I will help you do that. And simply, it's the right thing to do. But also from a selfish business model, people actually appreciate you putting effort into like, that's not going to 
immediately help my bank account that I'm sending you down the street, but that's not what it's about. I think that, I don't know if it's good karma, but you put it out there, you do the right thing. and Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So you said six years ago is when you were working at the hospital. Is that the first time you ever thought about starting your private practice or did you think about it a long time ago? I've been, turns out I'm not a great employee. (laughs) (laughs) I've always had an independent mindset, I think. And I think that even, you know, specializing in hand therapy kind of put me in a position a lot of times that I could kind of make my own decisions um, because not too many people understood this thing that I was doing. Before I moved, I'm in Seattle now. Before I moved to Seattle, I was in San Diego. And for a period of time, I worked for myself as a contract hand therapist. The opportunity was there. A lot of PT clinics didn't really want to, like, they weren't sure if they could hire a hand therapist, but they'd like to be able to say they had a hand therapist. And so I dipped my toe in the water there a little bit. And it was good. It was interesting. I mean, looking back, man, what I, what I know now, wish I'd known then, but <laughs> um, I think that was my first experience with it. But I, what for me, I felt like I couldn't really scale that. Right. And so I think that it's great. It was a great experience. And for some people that may be like the perfect place just to kind of get locked in. I want to pick my schedule, you know, be an entrepreneur, work for myself. But to me, I mean, I get more joy out of me. I'm talking to you right now. And my clinic is open right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there are people that are being taken care of under this idea, this brand that I thought of years ago. And to me, like that is super exciting to me. One of the challenges that I've had is actually people refer, they want to come and see Aaron. Oh, my friend seen this, you know, Dr. So-and-so said to see Aaron or Aaron only. And that's flattering for about the first six months. And then it's like, oh man, like that's not, I can't do this. You know, I can't, and especially now, as you can imagine, you know, I have 10 employees now, so it's, it's scaled. And if I'm sitting there working with one person, in my mind, the business is on pause and I don't want to, I want to be continually growing. Right. So one of the most flattering moments I've had in my practice was before we moved into the space, somebody was checking out. So I you know, was being seen by PT and they were checking out. And I said, Oh, hey, how's your session? Like, Oh, good. How long have you worked here? <laughs> like, that is awesome. <laughs> like, you don't know who I am. <laughs> that, like that, that, that was the best thing anybody could have said because you're not here because of me. You're here. I, I don't even like, how did you get here? That's great. And so I want my, my passion is making all of my staff rock stars. And if you never know who Aaron Shaw is, that is fine. There's <laughs> a reason why I didn't call it Aaron Shaw's hand therapy clinic or Aaron right. it's just, it's an independent thing. I want to be created with the juices of everybody. And so that's, that's what really excites me now. So did you ever have trouble with giving that up though, with giving up being the implementer and doing the sessions and working one-on-one with the clients? Well, I still do. I still do. So I mean, I know you still do, but like I have problems with, because I really love that. And I love being the one seeing the clients and I, I have a problem with having someone else see the clients because I like doing that. I think it's a matter of um, a few things. One is trust. Yeah. I mean, I work with a hand therapist now that I trust to see any case that I would see for sure. And of course, PT to see things that, I mean, I have PTs that have treated me, treated my wife, treated my best friends. And so I have complete faith in everybody around me. And at the same time, you know, I'm 24 years into practice now. 
And so I've seen a whole lot of, it hurts here. I need a dumb spike a splint. I mean, I, I gave my CMC arthritis talk today for the 50,000th time, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I even now I draw it out. You know, I, I draw out the anatomy, even though I've got, you know, netter and I've got skeleton and I'm like, oh, let me just come draw this out for you. And they're like, oh, that's not the first time you've drawn the skeleton of the thumb. Like, no, I'm not an artist, but this, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, so I am, I mean, I'm at the point in my career where I really get, like I said, I get more joy out of mentoring therapists who want to make changes, seeing younger therapists develop, helping, you know, seeing that client have an awesome experience, but I'm watching it from across the room. Like that interaction is means the world to me more than somebody who says, Oh, now I understand CMC arthritis. You know, like I've just, right. I've, I've got a lot of that and I don't want to, I would never change that, but I like this other fuel tank is really fun mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, I've got, I mean, I have students that I've worked with that are now OT CHTs managing clinics. I'm like, that is awesome. Like that's, yep. that's scale, you know, versus like when I'm across the person one-to-one, it's like, all I can do is this one thing. And right. Thing. But now I feel like, Oh, I get this whole other, you know, living thing that's that I'm attached to, you know, and it's they, nobody, people may not know my name, which is great, but it's like, I'm, I'm growing that. And that's, that's, right. that's pretty special. Yeah. And I have, I have another friend that she has grown her big practice too, but, and she's putting long, long hours and so forth. I'm like, you need to hire someone, but yeah, she's having that trouble of making that move as well. And with me, I'm a mobile practice. So it's a difference. It's a different. So then they're on their own and you don't really know what they're doing there. And so you do have to have that trust and that training and systems in place and so forth. So it's learning how to, I think learning how to delegate, learning, you know, really um, control, really realizing what you're good at and what drives you. And then, you know, it's like an onion. Then there's layers that are like, well, I'm okay at this. Well, I'm not that good at it, but if I take a long time, I can get better at it. And to me, it's, you know, I have a bookkeeper. I have a tax person. I have a, you know, director of operations for my clinic. I got, you know, front desk people, like all these things, like I can, well, I can kind of sort of do all of these things, but I can't. So I have to say, I trust you to do these things. And part of the learning process is, you know, learning how to manage people, learning how to hire people, learning when it's time to let somebody go where it's not a good fit. And, um, but that's the journey. And that's, yeah, that's, there's definitely some, there's some milestones to go from, I want to work for myself and me standing here now talking to you. Like there's a, some, things that happen between those two. Yeah. Well, I think too, um, to be honest, and this probably is going to sound bad to people listening, but um, I've just seen so many not so good therapists out there. Mm -hmm. And in the OT world, I've seen so much UBE exercise and not functional things that that's really kind of an I'm completely opposite. So it's like, you know, trying to find that perfect person would maybe be a challenge, but I mean, I know it can happen, but I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for sure. So like the OT that I have working for me now, I've known for years. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, again, it's, it helps when you do know somebody for a long time, but when you're hiring people, it's, there's a, no matter how much, you know, background checking and stuff, there's a little bit of blind faith and like, okay, it seems okay. Um, but that's part of the deal. I mean, yeah. I actually reached out to someone this week that I know, cause I, 
I do need to make the step and just hire someone. I mean, I have independent contractors that I know and trust and work with, but I actually need an employee. So I did reach out to someone I know that I think would be good just to kind of get the feelers out there. But yeah, making the move is the one thing. So, well, like all things, like starting off as an entrepreneur, I think that the the hardest thing is literally starting. Yeah. To realize that you're never, there's no such thing as, oh, okay, I'm 100% ready to do X. I don't have time for 100% because you're never going to get there. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I kick myself all the time because my practice, I've been telling my husband for years, this is what needs to happen. This would be great practice, but I never did it because I don't know what to do. And it ended up kind of falling into my lap to get me started. But it's like, oh, I should have did that a long time ago. So, yeah, that step of getting started. So, we can get more and more therapists out there to see that they could do this instead of oh. having to work for someone else. Yeah. I feel like I would love to stand in front of like an OT class or just so, you know, class or anybody who's in OT who's even like has a hint of thinking about it and just shake everybody and say, OTs are the best position to be doing this. Um, you know, the benefit of having, a, I'll be able to go in several, you know, pediatrics, the hand therapy, to ergonomics, functional status, like all of these things, OTs are at the, per, in the perfect position to be doing it. And I, I don't think that that's, or it wasn't expressed to me that way, which was a very long time ago. Right. Um, but it wasn't really even an option. No, and, and it's still not. I mean, listeners, you can come after me, whatever, but it's still not. We're still literally teaching them how to go work for someone else, apply for jobs instead of training them to work from themselves from the start. And that's one reason why in the visionary summit, which you'll be a part of is why I want it to be completely free for students because I want students to see all of these awesome therapists, OTs and OTAs that are doing their own thing. So I think that what's a little bit unnerving is, you know, looking back the way I would see business owners is like, they must have, you know, three arms and two heads or some sort of genetic thing that makes them so unique, the angels and snowflakes that they are. And now that I'm sitting at the table with other business owners, we all sit around and think, what the heck did, how do we do this? Like, how do we, <laughs> like, what was the secret? It's like, well, you put your head down and you just do it and you're sort right. of falling forward and you just, you know, figure it out as you go and you have a support system and you have mentors and relationships. Um, I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's hard work. But if you just like anything you do, that's hard work. If you are passionate about it, I don't, and my wife and I talk about this all the time. She's also an entrepreneur. It's like, we're working, you know, I used to work for somebody and that was work. Yep. But now when you work for yourself, I feel like this, the stresses that we have are the ones that I choose versus when you work for somebody else and they say, Hey, you're going to be on this committee. Like, ah, I don't want to be <laughs> right. I don't want to. Like, no, you just gotta it's like, no, it's not the stress I want. Like, I want it, I want the challenges that I'm dealing with now. And you can only do that when you're calling the shots. So yep. exactly, exactly. And I'm a perfect example of putting so much time and energy and working for someone else only to just kind of have my spots filled and not even say goodbye. You know, I mean it's just ridiculous. So, cause I, um, I left teaching after I was going in my eighth year and, um, like, yeah, I mean, no goodbye. Thank you. Whatever. Sayonara. So you later. I'm like, really? 
Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah. Awesome. Well, if you could, do you have some tips that you would share with us? I always ask people to share five, if you have it, five tips for someone that is thinking about starting their own business or a side business or doing something else. What would, what would your tips be? Uh, I have about a thousand. So to, to whittle it down, I think first, the first tip would be to do some deep thought on what you really want to be doing. So I think that what, there's a basic base, le- base level, I think, of being able to start something. The question is, if you were doing that something, would you feel like you've done it? And I can think back to when I was working for myself, independent contractor. It's like, oh, I want to work for myself. And then a month later, I was working for myself. It's like, okay, was this it? I want something else. This is I'm working for myself, but this isn't quite it. So taking the time to really do some deep thought on that. Um, and to communicate your goals to, or your ideas to the people around you. Uh, and that would include not only family, because I think family and close friends are going to perhaps give you a whole lot of, hey, that's a good idea. Um, if you have nothing but positive reinforcement, I would say you need to find an expander group because you really want people that are going to say, is that really what's, how's this going to work? And you want somebody who's going to kind of hold you accountable and really, and sometimes in a great way, it's, you know, when you talk things through and you get it up, you, you know, you're verbalizing your idea and your goal and your vision, the more you talk about it, you say, wait a minute, this, this, I gotta, like, let me work on this some more. Like it's here somewhere. So if you can have people that are supportive, you know, kind of guiding you and mentoring you, but can also give you some feedback that says, you know, you need to go back and polish this up a little bit. Um, so mentors are super valuable. There was this exercise that I did that I can't help but, um, it was in a book that I read, it was, I think it was called total leadership. And the exercise was write your history, write a letter as if you were 15 years from now. So the first line of this letter is 15 years ago, I decided to open up a practice and I named it movement. And then, and you basically, you're writing, I mean, you're writing your future, Right. Yeah. Um, and then, so it really makes you think, you know, 15 years from now, what am I doing? And so it was one of the most challenging exercises I've ever done. And this is what's the, I think as I, as I'm almost five years in now, I think the biggest challenges that we face as entrepreneurs is kind of this deep reflection on what am I doing? Like, what, you know, where am I going? And, you know, I've proven that I can work hard and, you know, build a little something, but every step of the way, it's like, you know, where am I going with this? Cause I'm not satisfied with just saying, okay, I've done it. Um, so doing this exercise, you know, you'll end up with a two page paper, but it's really going to question. Okay. So what is, what's, what's going to be happening. And if you can share that with somebody, um, which I shared with one of my mentors who we did this exercise together. Um, it is pretty powerful. You know, it's yeah, like, I think that. That's awesome. And I might like totally steal that and use oh, it cool. in my different programs with the people I'm currently coaching through building cool. their business. So that is awesome. And they cool. have accountability partners so they could share it with them. And that's perfect. That's a great idea. Um, Although I don't want to think about when I'm 15 years from now. That's well, cool. that's, <laughs> well, you want to set yourself up because I mean, you want to be able to look, I always think, oh, 15 years from now, I want to be able to look back and say, 
man, I, would, I, I did this and I did this as opposed to like, oh, that was those three years. Like, what the heck was I doing? You know, I can look back right. on my career now. I was like, well, I could get some of those years back. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. I love it. Um, reading, devouring content, podcasts. Um, I mean, some off the top of my head, uh, my favorite reads, favorite reads have been Atomic Habits. I've been recommending that one lately. That's, yeah. It's a life changer. Um, play bigger. Lead yourself first. A whole lot of marketing books. I mean, a lot of these are, are you know, as they should be beyond the scope of OT. So I think you right. realize that you're going to be, I mean, I've always got my OT hat on, but if you're going to work for yourself and you're going to be an entrepreneur, that's a second career. Right. So you need to be going on that track as much as you need to do improving your clinical skills. There's tons of, I mean, there's, there's no excuse not to be devoured with content. There's so much great content right. right now. Do you actually like just take the time to sit down and read it? Or do you do a lot of audio books or pot I, listening or? I do both. I always have probably too many things. Like I've, <laughs> I've got a couple of half read books and half read audio books. Like, Oh yeah, I haven't finished <laughs> listening to this. So I do listen to audiobooks. So I think the, like the atomic habits one, for example, is, you know, listen to that and nine times out of 10 with an audiobook, I think, oh, man, I got to get the books. I, I want to underline something right now. Right. Right. But I have like, I have a mentor right now that we're reading crucial conversations together. And so I want the book so that we can sit down and like compare notes. So I do a little bit of both audio and uh, old school, real books. Go um, I just have one thought about, I mean, I think I've been writing them down but I have a question on devouring content. So my problem is, is I have a hard time like sitting still to read a book. So I do. That's why I have to like listen when I'm driving since, oh, sure. I, since I'm a little practice or things like that. So those are awesome. Um, I think you're on like three. Okay, great. Have a mentor. I mean, I, I, so I have, and I think you'll realize that most mentors have mentors. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, exactly. Always, you're never, you know, you're never too big to, you know, it's sort of like, I always think of CEOs, you know, and they read a book a week. And so they they devour content and they may be top of the game. Um, I've had two mentors. One is Joanne, who was on your show. And the yep. other one is actually a mentor who um, was connected through a friend who had no, he's a PhD in, um, you know, he teaches business school. In a, he's in a business school with a specialty on entrepreneurism, but he had no history of medical stuff. Right. So was, our relationship started like, oh, as a, a friend, like, oh, yeah, let's do, let's have a mentoring. So it's very, you know, it was formal. We had, you know, regular meetings every three or four weeks. And he asked some of the hardest questions because the, the idea of a typical business, like, oh, you've been doing this for a long time. Well, you should probably raise your prices. Well, I can't. That's in, your insurance. You know, well, don't you have a negotiated rate? You should negotiate higher. Like, no, nope, doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so but it was great because it really sort of like the Excel spreadsheet version of, is this business going to work and how is it going to work? That's where mentors come in. What do you say to people that say they can't afford a mentor or can't afford to hire a coach or things like that? And I know not all mentors are paid, but I know some people hire coaches and have paid mentorship and things like that. I would say you can't afford not to. I mean, it's, it is, and I say that as somebody who's invested money into mentors and, you know, I think it's also you know, another analogy I think of is you know, the expense of starting up a practice, starting up a business to think like, well, you know, I'm a, 
not going to spend, or I'm going to self fund my business or like, you know, I'm going to like save and then you know put a little bit more into it. And I was listening to a podcast and it was like this myth. And this guy said, you know, out of the S and P 500, you know, how many, comp- how many of those are debt free? How many of those like multi-billion dollar companies? It's like three, you know, it's like Facebook, Apple, and one other one that are debt free. Every other like mega business has tons of debt. And so the right. people are like, Oh, I can't do that. It's like, you're going to get stuck at a certain level. And so with the way I think of things and think of investing money. And so whether that's into the building that I'm in or exercise equipment or staff, I always think if right now somebody came to you and said, I'm going to give you half a million dollars right now and you have to invest it in your business. You can't get a fancy car or go on a vacation. Like it has to be in your business what would you invest it in? Like whatever you start thinking in your head, like, well, the first thing I would do is I would hire a marketing team. And then I would do say, okay, why would you hire a marketing team? Well, because it would get my word out and my message out. Then I would have more. Okay. So you start like saying like, mm-hmm. okay, so with a half a million dollars, would your business be successful or whatever that, you know, quarter like whatever it is with X amount of dollars, do you think your business would be successful? And most people would say, well, yeah, if I had that much money, Right. So you got to invest some money and make money. And it sounds like exactly. it doesn't happen for free. I mean, just like becoming an OT, like I want to help people, you know, I want to help people function better. Could I do that without an OT degree? Yeah. Can I do it better now? Cause I've spent the money to become an OT. Well, certainly. Right. <laughs> so right. I can't even tell you how much money I've spent on continuing education for hand therapy. Could I have kind of done hand therapy sort of, it's like, yeah, but I spent money and, and I regret not a penny. And I'm here today because I invested that. Right. And mentors are the same. Yep. No, I totally agree. I just, and I, I mean, I'll fully admit that I was the one that when I first started was like, nope, I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to figure it out. I don't have the money to spend. And I mean, that was such the wrong mindset, wrong thinking. And how once I actually decided to invest in myself, how how it totally changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I'm, and I'm a, I mean, be frugal and thoughtful, obviously, with your finances, and maybe right. even starting starting with a little bit of shoestring mentality of almost like proof of concept. Right. And then when you start getting little nibbles on things. It's like, well, I got I got this like pain point, and if I just had the right staff person or the right system or the right marketing, like then I would be able to do this. Okay, that's invest in that. If I only knew how to make a splint, I would be a better hand therapist. Well, pay for a course on making splints, and then you're over the hump. But you got to. Right. You got to do that sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. How about, I lost track, but how about one more since you have um, a whole bunch? Set personal goals every day. So there was a, and I think I got this from Chad Madden. Was a, does PT marketing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty sure, and I'm, I'm sure he stole that from somebody, but the, the idea is on a Sunday, write down three goals for every single day of the week. One for, one that's personal, one that's business, and one that's family. But knowing that we're all pulled in a million different directions, but when you wake up in the morning and say, today, my personal goal is, you know, I'm going to exercise. And my business goal is, is I'm going to review my profit and loss for January. And my, you know, family community goal is, you know, it's Valentine's Day and I'm taking my wife out to dinner. (laughs) So if I can, you wake up in the morning, those are the three big things. If at the end of the day, I can at least tick those boxes, it's success. There's forward progress in something. 
versus as I'm sure we've all felt where some days I'm, you know, getting a lot, you know, sucked into some emails and this stuff and like all this stuff. And I think I've been busy all day, but I feel like I have nothing to show for it. Right. <laughs> yep. So infuriating and having the discipline. And again, this is where maybe mentorship kind of comes in. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to hold people accountable. Like what are your three things? Did you, did you accomplish them? Yeah. And, and it takes a little practice, but at least taking the time to think through what every day is going to be like generally, you'll actually be making steps ahead. Right. Oh, yeah, no, all fabulous tips and things that everyone needs. And I need to get better about the individual or like the daily type goals for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my long-term goals, but mm-hmm. yeah, like the more daily type things are huge. So we're good at though. I mean, I think that, you know, we're, if we, you know, practice what we preach, you know, Oh, you want to be able to tie your shoe. You want to be able to, you know, communicate well. You want to be like, yeah, you can have these long goals, but you reverse engineer them. So today, like, what should I be doing right now? Right. And so today you can do a little something. If your goal is to, if your goal is to open a practice, you know, I feel like if I, you know, 20 years ago, somebody said, oh, you're going to have a, you know, this practice that's, you know, with all these therapists and I'd be like, oh man, there's no way. But really, if I had set that goal, you know, like, yeah, of course. I mean, my life sort of like mostly by happenstance got me to a certain point. Right. Any OT could do the same thing. And it starts with today I wake up, whether I write, oh yeah, today's goal is I'm going to listen to a, you know, podcast for 30 minutes on my way to work. Right. It's something. It's yep. something. And um, as with our clients, measurable goals, because I um, have, again, been working with other people starting their business and they have their goals. And I'm like, how are you going to measure that? That's right. way too broad. Or, I mean, what are you even talking about? So, you know, still, we still need to be, have goals that we can measure ourselves. Yeah. A goal of being better at X. Yep. We all want to be better at X, but it's really hard to say whether you did that or not. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, this has been fabulous. Oh, goodness. I see I've taken like a long time of your, a lot of your time. Sorry. Especially since it is Valentine's Day. Oh, that's great. Um, So, but yeah, thank you so very much. Um, And I look forward to hearing more when you um, present through our Visionary Summit. Um, Look forward to it. I really appreciate it. So, and I will, for people listening, I will um, post Aaron's information in the comment section. So his like website and any other information, Aaron, you want us to share. So um, yeah, if you you have any questions about, um, I'm happy to brainstorm sort of mentorship ideas too. You can email info at movement.info, which is a main uh, business address for me. And so I would, the closing statement is any OT can do what I'm doing and uh, just start. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And everyone, yes, you need to just start. I appreciate it. All right. Nice talking to you. Yep. You have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's show, which is sponsored by our therapy business builder program where we help healthcare professionals start the business of their dreams from the ground up. Also, be sure to join our free Next Level Occupational Therapy Facebook group. And for even more support, guidance, and training, check out our Next Level Visionary Membership group. 
time to level up occupational therapy professionals.